money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Another wonderful part of our presentation tonight uh, is the market update. So how many of you guys are data nerds besides me? Data nerds? Okay, yes. Left brain, show me the data. I love the data. I'm going to go and bathe in the data. Like Saturday night, I was literally watching an economic forecast from the Texas A&M Real Estate Center. Like I am super nerdy. And I put... But I use it, I, I need to know what's happening because I need to know what's going to happen in my business. And I want to be able to forecast what's going to happen in my business in terms of both my income, in terms of my wealth. So every month I dig into all of the numbers. Every month I share with you guys how the market performed the prior month. And we talk about the forecast for the coming month. So for uh, this uh, year, just in general, and I know we're coming and I can't believe it's like late October. That is freaking me out uh, how this year has just gone by so incredibly quickly. Uh, but the exciting news is that the full year forecast for sales in terms of volume, the number of houses that were uh, expected to sale, is uh, I expected to go up somewhere between 10 and 15% versus where we were in 2020. And how did real estate perform in 2020? Gangbusters. Amazing. Uh, best year ever. Um, even though we were practically shut down for three of those, you know, in some cases, even more than that, right? At least three of those months. So forecast is up and I'll explain to you why that is as we go through the presentation. And, uh, uh, but first I want to talk about the average sales price. This is probably the thing that's most exciting to me as a buy and hold investor, as, as I held through 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, and in my rental properties, I thought, well, maybe I'm, maybe this is not working out the way that I thought. But starting in 2012, you started to see the markets move up again. And you, but you were typically seeing it move up in the, you know, five to 8% range in terms of appreciation. And you thought, okay, well, that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. And then, you know, you get leverage. So if you're thinking, well, I can get more than that in the stock market. Yes, you can get more than that in some cases in the stock market. But when you're buying a share of stock, $100,000 in stock, you got to put down $100,000. If you're buying $100,000 in real estate, well, you might have to put down 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. So you get the power of leverage as a real estate investor when it comes to that. So even those five to 8% years were still pretty good compared to other investments, for example, like stock. But uh, last year it went up um, uh, in the high teens. And this year I'm expecting the average price in some markets to be up 25% year over year. How in the world, in the midst of all of this disruption, could we see such an increase in value? How in the, why is that? Someone said interest rates. What else? Short, shortage of what? Inventory, inventory. What else? Oh, so, uh, uh, people, people lost their homes. There are a lot of homes available. I don't think anybody's lost their homes. I mean, uh, I think only maybe 2000 houses made it to the foreclosure list in Texas last year, which, which is like 10% of what it normally is. Right. And, and this year's the same thing. Now, obviously we've had some government intervention, uh, to, uh, be able to, uh, uh, carry that. But why, why else, what else is going on that would cause 
these um, av uh, such a high increase in average sales and such a high increase in um, the sales price. Job growth. What else? <laughs> Someone said California. Low interest rates. I think there are about um, 15 different things that are impacting us in tech. And this is just a small, um, th this, this probably covers maybe 80%. There's probably a lot more, maybe even um, this maybe only covers 50% of what's going on. But there's a lot of things hitting all at the same time, right? It's not, you just can't point to one thing. Uncertainty paralyzes sellers, right? A lot of sellers are like, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't want to immediately go out and buy another house. I want to just maybe stay put and just see what happens, right? Uh, as a stream of buyers who might be coming into my home, are they going to interrupt my day? How many of you guys are on Zoom meetings all day long, right? So some of you guys were, were standing in the back of the room because you're like, I can't sit anymore. I've been on, <laughs> I've been on meetings all day, right? Uh, low interest rates, they don't just motivate buyers to come out and buy. Low interest rates also motivate sellers to refinance how many of you guys in the last um 20 22 months have said my home is my sanctuary and i want to make it amazing right how many of you guys did some type of a home improvement project over the last 20 months right uh you know like hey we're we don't, we're not going anywhere so we might as well make this place that we're living in much better right so you're seeing owners refinance bring their payments down and then on top of that they're not maybe traveling as much. They're not maybe going out to dinner as much. They're investing in their houses. Uh, so more owners are making their homes or sanctuaries, keeping their houses. Uh, the last market cycle changed how builders develop forever. In what way? In what way? So one of the big things is uh, builders, it was really easy for them to get money to develop lots. And the way that uh, the banking industry has changed uh, the, and as a result of the financial crisis in 2008, um, builders can't get as many loans on lots anymore. And what drives inventory? The number of lots that a builder is able to put on the ground, right? So uh, uh, the last market cycle and the rules that came up uh, as a result of the last market cycle it was kind of like all the um, Dodd-Frank rules came out, like became official in like 2012. It's like, uh, you guys are four years l too late. Like the market already figured it out. We don't need any of your help. But they're like, oh no, well now we're gonna solve your problem. Well, the problem's already solved, but they created some new problems, right? Uh, so, so, so please remember this. Whenever you hear the phrase, we're from the government and we're here to help, okay? know that it's that's gonna be a problem there right so it's like well we're not never gonna let 2008 happen again we're never gonna let builders overbuild again well a lot of the rules that they put in place have not only not allowed builders to not overbuild again but in many cases just not build at all right so i'm just curious are there any real estate agents in the room here real estate agents so if you guys have been shopping with maybe a buyer and go into a new home community you know, before it was like, we build it, they will come. Now it's like, well, I'm not even going to break ground on this thing unless I have a, a, a full earnest money contract and five backup contracts in my drawer with checks, right? So that has changed how we build and has caused us to be in a, a very difficult inventory situation. 
And then we also have a labor shortage. Oh, I was reading something um, recently. I'm going to, oh gosh, I'm going to see if I can pull it up on my phone um, just to kind of give you an idea of what it was. I thought it was fascinating. Um, you know, I've always kind of known that anecdotally um, that, that um, uh, it's harder to cross the border now, right? And um, I'm just trying to see if I can, I thought I had a slide on it. I'm just looking through here. Oh gosh, I don't. Um, uh, but it was it was basically that we have apprehended more people at the border this past year than at any other time in our history. What does that do for labor? We have fewer. We have a shortage of labor. And what is that going to continue to do for labor for us? Continue to make it in short supply. And what is that also going to do to labor? Labor's in short supply. It's in high demand. That means labor prices are going to go up yeah so so something to understand um and something that's going to continue to be an issue and then how many of you guys when you were kids uh like me you were taught like you don't don't do a blue collar job you want to do a white collar job you want to go get educated how many of you guys were told go, go to school goes don't be a plumber don't be an electrician don't be an hvac tech exactly i right exactly are you one of those things you run a company, yeah. So, so here's what's happening. Um, we're sending all these kids to college. They're getting fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt over a four-year period. They're getting out of college, and they might be making fifty grand a year. Okay, versus an electrician, a plumber, an HVAC tech spends you know six months in in their school, right? Goes to apprentice with somebody else. And then after a year or two are making 50 to 100K easy, easy. That's only if you're working like three days a week, right? So, 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 but, but, but what happened? Isn't that, isn't that crazy? It's crazy. So if, and it's funny because uh, my husband and I, we have a 12 year old son and we're thinking like, and I, I mean, like I have an MBA, like, you know, I was, you're going to school and I'm, yes, I am going to school. Like, that's what you do. That's just, you know, part of us are thinking like, man, if, if he's not passionate about something that's going to like give him a big fat income check at the time he's out of school, then maybe he goes to do something else where he can be in and out of school in less than a year and start having a take home pay that's easily 50 to hundred K while someone else is still screwing around going to school, getting more debt, and maybe not being able to get the job of their dreams when they get out. So that socialization that has happened in America over the last, you know, since I was a kid, right, almost 50 years, that is affecting how many people that we have to do all of the jobs that we need done in order to build up our inventory of homes for sale. So that labor shortage is going to be affecting us for, I would guess, at least the next 20 years, at least the next 20 years. So anybody heard of uh, that guy, I think it's Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs, right? He actually has a foundation to help people get into more dirty jobs because doing a dirty job, you can make a lot of money, right? So, but it is, it is a different way of thinking. So um, that's a soapbox, I'm gonna kick it away, but something to think about. Prices have gone up for, 
labor, for materials. Uh, we've got these supply chain disruptions. And of course, for land, city permitting and building codes make housing more expensive. The Elon effect, right? Elon puts on a cowboy hat, says next to Governor Abbott and says, I'm a Texan. And then everyone who pulls in their Tesla, you know, into their into their house and now in, in Texas, right? Uh, some owners want to keep their uh, starter homes. How many of you guys kept your starter home as a rental property? Yeah, or as an Airbnb, right? It's like, oh, this property's really gone up in value. I've saved enough doing my other work that I'm gonna use this and I'm gonna keep this to be able to build my wealth. Uh, institutional buyers, you guys, you know, you're competing against hedge, hedge fund buyers, right? Uh, you're also competing against iBuyers. Uh, for us here, we're competing against Redfin. We were competing against Zillow until last week. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, yeah, you want to applaud, right? It's like, yeah, me too, me too, me too, me too. So, so Zillow had bought about three thousand houses, um, and then just said, "Hey, we can't. We bought. We overbought. We're going to shut down our buying for right now." But other places like um, Open Door, uh, Redfin, um, they're still buying, right? So we're competing against those people as real estate investors. Do you know how much um, these i buyers? lose on every single house that they buy on average $8,000. I read an article from the Texas A&M Real Estate Center that documented that. And you know what's bananas? They have billion dollar valuations. This is why I don't wanna invest in the stock market. They're in a race to lose as much money as possible, but they still have these billion dollar valuations, right? If I lost $8,000 on every deal that I did, I would be bankrupt, right? But that's not how the world uh, works. Uh, anymore but uh be aware that that's some of your competition and uh one of the one of the uh tribal knowledge uh tips of the week that i gave was how to beat out the i buyers so if you want to know how to beat out the i buyers i did a full um uh, tip on that that was uh went into a lot of detail to be able to help you guys and help me as well um houses are still not going into foreclosure they're starting to go into foreclosure but not at the same level that they were and then I know it feels like forever ago, but uh, the, the ice storm, right? Took a lot of copper off the market, right? Made plumbers the most valuable asset that we had out there, right? It's like, man, I, I need a, I need, I, 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 if, I, if I had a daughter, I'd be like, man, I gotta, I'd get her married off to a plumber. You know, it's like, that's the only way you're getting them over to your house to fix everything that went bananas. All right, so let's break down each of the different areas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break down each of the major markets in Texas. Uh, but I'll focus mostly on San Antonio. We'll start with Texas overall. So last month, the average price was up 20% year over year. Again, because we have, it's the basic laws of economics, supply and demand. We have very high uh, demand. We have very low supply. That's what's causing these prices to go up at this level. So last month, average price was up 20%. Sales were slightly down. So 0.7%, so not terrible. Uh, but remember, we were still unleashing the floodgates of us being shut down and in quarantine for several months. That's why uh, we're still kind of rebounding from that. Year-to-date sales are up 9% versus where they were uh, in Texas. Year-to-date average price is up 20%. In Houston, the average price was 372, up 13%. Closed sales in Houston, uh, the only market, major market that had an increase in closed sales, they were up 1.5%. The year-to-date sales in Houston up 15.3% and the year-to-date average price up 18%. In the San Antonio market where we are tonight, holla, uh, average price in San Antonio, 351,000 up 15% versus where it was the same time last year. Gosh, San Antonio used to be 
I mean, it still is one of the most affordable markets in Texas, but it used to be that average price was around 200 grand, about 10, just, just about, just about 10 years ago. Right. Um, so this is the power of buying and holding, uh, sales were flat year over year at, uh, just over 3,650 pending sales are also flat. Uh, so, uh, we've spent the last couple months flat. Uh, but year-to-date sales in San Antonio, they are up 8% versus where they were the same time last year. And year-to-date average price up 16% versus where it was the same time last year. Uh, the the um, uh, San Antonio market is very strong in terms of months of inventory. The months of inventory are only 1.3 months of inventory. A balanced supply market is about a six-month supply of inventory here in San Antonio. That's the 40-year average. Uh, but because of this disruption and because of the disruption in terms of lack of building that's happened over the um, since roughly 2008, like literally we are just now building as many houses 13 years later as what we built in 2008, just now. But our sales have been going up at a much faster rate than what even they were in 2008. So that's one of the things that's continued to drag that inventory down, but also continues to drive that price up. In Austin, uh, just on the street, average price 564,000, up 25% year over year. Uh, about three months ago, that average price was $600,000 in Austin. Um, so um, Austin is, I, I figured that, I figured out, I did some research on, on that word, and Austin, as it turns out, is Latin, for San Francisco, but San Antonio is very quickly becoming Latin for Austin. I'm just saying like it's coming. Okay. Uh, uh, close sales in Austin down 5%. Uh, right now there's only a 1.1 month supply in Austin. It had gotten as low as about a 0.6 month supply in Austin. And that's why we're seeing that those dramatic increases in those sales prices. Year-to-date sales in Austin up 6.4% versus last year, but the year-to-date average price up 32%. The largest market in Texas, Dallas, and Fort Worth, the average price was 415,000, up 18%. Close sales were down 3% versus the same time last year. And year-to-date sales in Dallas, Fort Worth are flat uh, January through September. Average price, however, is up 22%. So I do wanna, before I leave the, um, the market update portion of this presentation, I don't want you guys to be worried when you see flat year over year sales. I want you to really have some perspective as to why it is flat or in some markets, why it is down. And that is to really remember that, uh, you know, last year, uh, March, April, May, June, and in some cases beyond, right? We were in a government shutdown, right? Now, real estate was declared essential, but still not as many sales were happening. So when the floodgates opened up in July, August, and September, we blew it out, right? So when we're comparing 2021 to 2020, we're comparing it to that blowout period, right? Where those floodgates were open. As we start to get a little bit more normalized, which is where I think we are mostly right now, uh, then we won't, then when we're comparing year over year, it won't be as extreme, right? So, but also remember that those year to date sales, even though we've seen them down a few times over the last couple of months, uh, they are still up 9% year over year. And guys, have we, have you guys learned a couple of things as we've gone through the presentation tonight? Would you like to learn a lot more? 
three of you. I'm doing so great up here. This is just so great. Your feedback is just wonderful. Just want to thank every one of you for just really just turning on the feedback for me tonight. So thank you for that. So uh, we've got something more to share with you. So I'll tell you, we've been uh, part of a real estate investor association since 2003. Uh, we've been running this one in San Antonio since uh, 2011. Um, and we've always run it the way that all of the RIAs were run, which is, hey, just come back next month and I'll give you another three or four hours worth of great information. And maybe, I don't know, in a year or three, you might have enough information to be a real estate investor. Yeah, see you in a couple of years, right? And then, and then we realize, well, that kind of sucks because no one wants to wait a year. And especially my left brainers who want to know everything before they do anything, right? And I know some of you guys are left brainers in here. Um, that's not going to cut it. So over the course of the last 20 months, we had an opportunity to rethink how we fulfill our Real Estate Investor Association membership. So instead of saying, hey, come back every single month and get a little bit more information every single month, what we've done is we invite you guys to come to a three-day training with us so that you can get all of the information that you need over the course of three days. So we're going to literally be downloading about seven years of experience every single day, downloading about two decades worth of real estate investing experience. And in this workshop that we've got planned for you guys, we're going to go over the strategies that we use and that we've used to be able to not have to update our resume ever, uh, which is a beautiful thing. So we're going to share those 12 strategies with you. In fact, Phil, my husband's going to come up and present in the next few moments. He's also going to share the 65 different marketing campaigns and strategies that we've used to uh, 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 be successful to find these off-market deals, the closing and sales scripts. So for those of you guys who have been in a cube too long, or for those of you guys who have not been talking to people in a long time and don't know exactly what to say, or don't know what the typical objections are and how to overcome them, we teach you those as well. And then of course, we'll give you access to some of the folks that we personally partner with, the folks that personally fund our deals. And uh, we're doing it right now and uh, uh, for a very limited time only. Um, we're doing it right now for free as part of the membership of the Real Estate Investor Association. So, oh, thank you. One person is really impressed by that, yeah. So the reason why we're doing this is because we know we're still in a disruption and we know this is still wild and crazy times and we wanna be able to meet you guys where you are at. So we do it both live in person like this, except with a lot more social distancing, um, as well as online. So if you can't come to uh, the meeting in person, you can come to it online. And we've got several different meetings coming up to end out 2021. So I said this, doing it for free is a limited time only. Um, because come 2022, we're going to start charging for these events because we're starting to, you know, we started to meet in person and pay for these, um, hotel rooms and these banquet rooms. And this does cost us money. So once we get into 2022, all of our uh, meetings are going to be charged. So we're doing this just, uh, to continue the, the investor association and be here for you guys as you are looking for new paths to be able to, uh, find income, to be able to build wealth, et cetera. So the next one that we have coming up in this area, um, Austin and Central Texas is gonna be November 12th, 13th, and 14th. If you can't make that one and you wanna go online, you're welcome to, we do it both live in person as well as online. We also have one in Dallas. So if you have relatives in Dallas, you're welcome to check us out there. That's November 19th, 20th, and 21st. And then uh, I think the last one that we have for the year is gonna be in Houston, December 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So would love to have you guys join us for that. 
Um, and I'll give you uh, a QR code. So for those of you who are familiar with this, uh, you can pull out your phones. Uh, we have Texas RIA's guest. So that's a guest network. You can join here with us and you can register. If you don't know how to operate your phone, your camera to do the QR thing, no worries. Just go to your uh, browser and go to texasstarterkit.com and you can get registered. texasstarterkit.com and you can get registered. So we'll ask you a couple of questions just to get to know you uh, because one of the things that we do as part of the Real Estate Investor Association is we help build your personal blueprint. And what that looks like is trying to figure out where you are today and where you want to go in the future and help you build and devise a plan based on our experience to be able to get there. So answer a couple of questions for us. Pick which workshop that you want to get registered for. Join our Facebook group, which is the last step as, uh, as we do this so we can be bigger and stronger together. And we'd love to be part of your journey as a real estate investor. Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.